So not only is it supporting animal exploitation, sending bears into space, you, you've you got meat on your top as well. Put my meat on your top in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's begin. Hello everyone and welcome to another special Halloween horror edition of Films on Trial. This week, it's The Woman in Black. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And... That's so what, is that? <laughs> what was that? That's a, it's not terrifying. <laughs> Sounded like a zombie trying to have a poo or something. <laughs> that was supposed to be. Uh, it says here a Halloween horror noise. I thought that perfectly sums up, you know, what we're all about. But apparently, apparently not. <laughs> Maybe um, it does. Okay, well, similar uh, to the woman in black, we believe in ghosts. Oh, that's a rubbish one. That I'm sorry. So it's similar to woman in black. We're fresh off of a Harry Potter marathon. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just be evil, Joe. Anyway, if you've never listened to this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. However, there'll also be some other things like a caption contest, a quiz, some spooky horror noises, a xylophone here or there, and an impression or two, plus lots of banter. So please do stick around. Um, If you've never seen this, this film before... Just to let you know that this show is going to be a little bit spoilerific. So if you haven't seen Woman in Black, please do come back to it later on. Or you can fast forward to our quiz. Uh, but before we kick off the bulk of the show, I think it's time for a little bit of... Oh no, this isn't going to go well. News. You ready? <laughs> What the hell was that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the theme song to Men in Black. <laughs> oh yeah, all right. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, 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 I didn't. I didn't have time to learn the the song from the Woman in Black, so I played the uh, Men in Black instead. All right, so basically, what we do here is we go around in a circle and we all talk about the most newsworthy topics of the week, starting with Joel. Yep. Well, my news <laughs> is. Uh, uh, my news is about James Gunn, actually, and that he's, uh, well, DC have signed him on to kind of go over Suicide Squad. So he's going to take the helm there and direct the next one. There's rumors that it could even be rebooted, and uh, DC have said that his take will be a completely fresh take on it. So I suppose you can read into that what you will, but I think he, he's pretty much perfect uh, for that role and for that type of film. And he's in that really, really nice position now of even if the film was absolute shit, it'd still be better than the first one. So <laughs> it, it can't really do much wrong with it. But I think Marvel have almost shot themselves in the foot there, potentially potentially losing him, especially to their biggest rival on paper anyway. Right, I think the Suicide Squad, I don't know, seemed to feel a little bit like a Guardians of the Galaxy ripoff anyway, tonally at least. The fact that it was kind of jam-packed with a soundtrack and had lots of comedy Try, dialogue. Was trying to be funny. Yeah, well. exactly. Yeah. So I think that he could do a really good job with that. I've seen a tweet as well from Dave Batista saying, count me in. So there's already rumors going around that he's going to be signed up for the next film as well. You can't, can't reboot it already though, can you? You've got to stick with it for a little while before you reboot shit. Yeah. It seems I, a bit, you can't, you can't do a sequel that's rebooting the first one. Well, can you? You you, you could do like a Deadpool type thing where he basically said it never happened, all that shit that happened before, couldn't he? When did they do that? 
at the end of uh, Deadpool. Oh, spoiler! Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Deadpool two. He basically says the timelines were a bunch of shit. Oh yeah. Well, I suppose. I mean, essentially, aren't they going to go back and do it all anyway with the flash forward story arc anyway? What about the Hulk? They did that in the Hulk. What? Oh, no, they just wrote a different a guy in. You know, it's just, oh. it's, it all <laughs> different films. You, you still, you film. get still getting Ang Lee and Stanley confused. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it'd be good anyway, especially because uh, originally the rumored villain for Suicide Squad Two was going to be Black Adam, who was going to be played by The Rock. So, who wouldn't want to see The Rock versus Dave Batista? James Gunn, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you very much, Joel. Okay, moving on to the next piece of news, and it's Joel again. Uh, yeah, so there's been a new spooky trailer just released this week. It is The Possession of Hannah Grace, is that her name? Oh, Jesus. There we go. <laughs> Um, I don't know what to think of it. Basically from the trailer kind of looks as though, um, she's possessed and she dies during the, uh, exorcism. Then she goes to the morgue and kind of shit kicks off basically. I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting cause it's almost post exorcism what happens after that. So that piqued my interest. It's almost, I don't think you can do an exorcism movie. I feel like the exorcist did that almost. It's a bit hard to actually do that. So, I'm quite interested to see how they spin it. It was a little bit exorcism. You know, the the only thing that I thought of is quite quite a lot of these times or these types of films when uh, you know someone's possessed, they get these kind of supernatural powers and they're walking on the ceiling and Mm. all that type of stuff, and that Mm. seems to happen here. I was just thinking, you know, all that it would potentially take is you know something like a flamethrower. And just take her out. That's yeah, your answer t- to take everything, her. Joel. <laughs> I, I have to say, probably most morgue technicians aren't equipped with flamethrowers. Have they got an aerosol can though and a lighter? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very undramatic If they've played way, Resident it? Evil, they know how to combine just items. Get, <laughs> get your right guard and a lighter out. <laughs> film, I, film over. I, I've, I've seen several really good exorcism movies that isn't The Exorcist, to be honest. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So no need to <laughs> shit all over your point there, but it can be done. But I think the the take that it's doing here is very interesting. The fact that like what happens next, I saw the film, the autopsy of Jane Doe. Have anybody seen that? that and that really was, good, yeah. yeah, that was very good. So that was all about, you know, kind of what happens after, after that. So it was, it was essentially just uh, filmed over one night about this autopsy. And it was really, really interesting because I thought, well, you know, how are they going to spin this off into, you know, a, an hour and a half film, but they did a really good job and I would be interested to check that out as well. So thank you very much, Joel for nothing <laughs> right when you said you've got a trailer to watch this week me and dave got the wrong end of the stick and we watched the aladdin trailer instead so <laughs> a little bit different tonally at least so we're going to talk about that uh dave what did you think about the aladdin film you like disney don't you i do i do um it doesn't give much away at this point bear in mind we've got a few months yet till till the film is dropped so yeah it's very early days very early stages not much being given away you only get a glimpse of aladdin himself it's mostly cave of wonders it shows you like a, a panoramic shot of agrabah was it i think in, in yep. aladdin and you got the cave of wonders and you hear the voiceover for it and it, you get a little bit of what's inside the cave of wonders but that's about it so it's it's you get subtle. to see the genie no 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 yet. you do not nor will that's, you i feel 
Played by Vinnie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's your fucking wish. <laughs> well, it is directed by Guy Ritchie, isn't it? Oh, is Which is just oh, is it? Uh, oh, just there we go. Mad, yeah. yeah. No, don't give a shit anymore. So, um, the, yeah, we just saw Aladdin. He's played by Mina Masood. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, I remember, ye- like, w- ages ago when we were doing a film news thing, we were talking about how they they'd tried to cast someone from the Middle East in Aladdin, and they hadn't found anyone. I so, know. did they go back and actually manage to find? Yeah, someone? they did. Yeah, oh, yeah, it, yeah. It it was, wow. it was this close away from casting Sting and it was <laughs> a bit of an uproar. Um, so yeah, yeah, they managed to find somebody. You oh, could well. almost say that they weren't trying hard enough. <laughs> Maybe the first know. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah, I, I'm actually quite looking forward to it. It's just a bit odd, but I, I just, to, I'm to just curious. Film. Yeah, well, I'm curious to see what Guy Ritchie would do with Aladdin. I'm curious Fuck to see up. what Will Smith's going to do with the genie, to be honest with you. Yeah, true. I mean, so I don't, I haven't seen that many names attached to it, but Will Smith is the most notable one anyway. Mm. But they're very, very big shoes to fill. Oh, they don't really have feet, do the genies? It's a, <laughs> a lamp. It's a very big lamp to fill, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Will Smith does with it anyway. Um, so right, thank you very much for the trailers, guys. Joel, one more piece of news from you before we wrap things up? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> All right, doesn't matter then. All right. Okay, so uh, yeah, before we move on, Alex... I think it's time for a little bit of uh, shit. Are you finding the film field? Oh, thanks, man. Like you that. let me pick this one, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> Pterodactyl scream. Uh, so, film fields. This is a, ha- a haunted house movie. So, what's the scariest, scariest haunted house in any film ever? One that you are most when you think of a haunted house and it being terrifying. What one jumps into mind? Go, Amityville. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. You just get beat <laughs> to the punch there. Just like I'm not having somebody <laughs> rob mine I'm again. <laughs> um, so, I, I, well, I, I, I'm going to go off track. We're going. What were you going to say? I was going to say the Bates Motel. I know it's not technically haunted, mm. but it's very spooky, and it, you, you're not sure it's not haunted until the end of a film. Mm. I, you know what I mean? That's a good shout. It's a really good shout. I, I, so I was going to say, uh, does it count? Insidious. Yes, I would say so. Because we find out that it's actually the boy who's haunted, not the house. Yeah, but for the, most of the film, and also a lot of the... Where do they go? The further below, or wherever they go? Yeah, the, the, the beyond or The beyond or The further. The further. It's a, is, it's, a long, it's a long distance, anyway. That is in the house, yeah. and it's very spooky. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll give you I, that. I really like uh, the, the film The Innkeepers as well, directed by uh, Ty West. Uh, I've not seen it. So I'd really recommend that. That's like a kind of a very... It's, it's very slow burner. It's it's quite tense throughout. You don't think anything's happening, and then the very last bit is just frantic as shit. You know, I, you, I, you got me to watch the Conjuring very very recently. So <laughs> that's me done for a while. Can, can you have the Overlook Hotel, even though it's yeah. not technically a house? Definitely. I would say I've got a bit, I've got a toss up between two, uh, which are both are very very similar houses. The House on Haunted Hill, which has mm. uh, got many films after it, and also uh, of course the Woman in Black House. They're very, very similar in kind of uh, look and tone, but, you know, both both absolute classics. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nicely squeezed in. Was I he? was, uh, in terms of the scariest one, I watched probably like 15 minutes of Hocus Conjuring. Pocus or... <laughs> um, and then that's why I ended up watching Hocus Pocus. But uh, <laughs> when you said the haunted, haunted house, I could just think of that one from Ghostbusters. Is that, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that giant ho- uh, apartment block. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if it's scary. But it's memorable. Days. It jumps but, yeah, into your head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did wonder what yours was going to be, Ozzy. It's like the scariest haunted house at the Pleasure Land one in Southport, definitely. <laughs> 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 
Right. Well, thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's film, it's time for the film on trial. Yeah, so let's do it. This week, it's a continuation of our Halloween horror theme. So, usually, what we would do is we would pick a film out of the hat at random. However, this week, it's the turn of Joel to put one of his most favourite and underrated horror films on trial. So Joel, you've picked The Woman in Black this week. Would you like to give us a little bit of a reason as to why you've decided to go with this film? Yeah, I just think it's an absolute kind of classic. When you think of like a ghost story, I think this is kind of like the exact type of thing that comes to mind. It's not like those modern horrors like The Conjuring or Insidious or anything like that. It's just something that you'd imagine kind of hearing sat round a fire uh, you know, in in scouts or boys club or whatever the hell it, it, it you know young kids go to these days, and I just thought, but <laughs> uh, you know, it, I'd enjoy to put it on trial. And it's uh, like all the films that we've done; some people like it, some people don't like it. Um, so I thought it would uh, make a, a good little debate. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, now for the rest, uh, so well, Joel is going to be defending the film and trying to do his best to place it on the hit list. But for the rest of the roles, they are completely picked at random. So just like real court advocates, Joel and Alex are making the best for their case uh, for their role. Uh, this may or may not be their real opinion. So stay tuned to the very end to actually hear what their real thoughts are. So Joel will be defending this one, which means Alex is going to be doing the role of the prosecutor and trying to get the film placed on the shit list which means that austin and captain dave are going to be acting as our character witnesses they're basically going to be lending their genuine opinion about the film trying to throw a bit of weight behind either side of the argument and that means i am playing the role of the judge now i need to decide which list the film should be placed on based solely on the arguments that are put to me not using my own opinion so guys all i'm going to say is i can be swayed big time (laughs) so uh, before we kick things off i think we should probably give the listeners a bit of an idea as to what the film is about so let's spin that wheel of impressions okay so here we basically read out the synopsis of the film as it's read on imdb but in the style of one of the cast or characters so it's landed on austin this week so austin you've got to read out the synopsis in the style of guys i i think it's been a while so it's just harry potter harry potter yeah how does harry potter speak come on very posh (laughs) just just a posh english young englishman young englishman i don't know a posh, do I not just sound like a posh young Englishman already? No. <laughs> no. 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 Get, get younger. <laughs> a, young, a young solicitor travels to a remote village where he discovers the vengeful ghost of a scorned woman is terrorising the locals. Lovely. Yeah, nice. Good. Yeah. Well done. Solid. Well done, mate. Well Thanks. done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm... Um... panicked. <laughs> 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 I'm scarier than watching the film. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, kick off. I'm gonna kick off proceedings <laughs> here, guys. Uh, so hang on. <laughs> it's the sound of a haunted house door. <laughs> Is it now? Yes, it's one of the long ones. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones that just doesn't end. <laughs> oh my god, it's still going on. It's a ghost trapped in my phone, just shouting, "Mummy, please show." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, right, so without further hesitation... Uh, pressed another button. <laughs> Joel, would you like to kick off the seedings, please? Um, should we wait for the clock to strike 12? No, it's off, it's off, it's off, it's <laughs> off. Okay, well, well, like I said in the little introduction there, this is just an absolute classic ghost tale. 
Um, it's pretty much centered around whoever sees this woman will die, that type of thing. Like I, I've said, you know, it's like you just imagine here and this thing kind of sat around the fire. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Someone take his phone off him. So th- this film feels more like a remake rather than a rehashing of the same story, both from the book and the previous films. Uh, there are fresh story elements here which keep it exciting. So one of the major departures uh, from the novel, Kipps is actually a young widower, widower here, uh, which gives him both this kind of sense of vulnerability and in a way makes him even more susceptible to the events that happen in the film. He's kind of almost lost, uh, he's kind of a little bit life-weary, shall we say, and that comes across uh, really well. So haunted house movies basically live and die by their atmospherics and by the consequences to those poor people who come too close to the premises. And the woman in black definitely delivers on both counts there. So the film opens up with three little girls who suddenly drop their dolls and jump out the attic windows. So we know straight away from the get-go that this is a movie that's willing to do awful things to its characters and to children, no less. So the director, James Watkins, he expertly uses shadows and empty spaces to create a percolating sense of dread. He waits until the last possible moment before allowing his audience the carphasis of a shock. It's one of those films where you know the scare is coming and the film plays on this. The tension and dread are built up to such a degree that it's actually a relief when the scare does happen because you kind of know you may be safe for a few moments afterwards. Uh, There's a scene uh, where he kind of looks down the hallway and the darkness comes towards him only for the scare to come from the opposite direction. There's a, there's a lot of kind of misdirection here. Um, but the biggest thing that I like about this film is that really there's barely a glimpse of anything scary in it, and that's precisely what kind of makes it so terrifying. It's not like The Conjuring or Insidious, where you actually see visible uh, kind of ghosts and terrifying things all over the place. You do see The Woman in Black very occasionally, but only a tiny glimpse. It's more done... Uh, kind of with atmospherics and with sound effects and and basically the setting of the film. So the special effects, often overused these days, especially in horror, um, here they are. there are literally none. It basically relies completely on atmosphere. The setting is an old Gothic mansion in the middle of the moors, surrounded by fog and mud, and it's isolated by the tide overnight. And I mean, you can't really get much more creepy than that in terms of like a classic ghost setting. Um, and as I said, as it, as it is often the case in horror, the sound here is is absolutely brilliant. There are no modern gimmicks here whatsoever. And the horror music specialist, Marco Botrami, a uh, frequent collaborator of Wes Craven, is responsible uh, for the score and for the sound here, and that really shows. So the mansion itself is crammed full of gothic furniture. There's creepy old kids' toys, cobwebs, dusty rotten furniture, creaky floorboards everywhere, exactly... Uh, you know, as I say, what you would expect from a haunted house. But one thing I want to give a special mention to is the use of shadows here. So uh, you, you're probably aware by now if you if you watch, uh, sorry, if you listen to our podcast, we have a little picture for each episode where our faces get superimposed onto uh, the face from a film. And the picture this week is um, of Arthur, but he's in he's in the house, but it's in the daytime, but half of his face is kind of dark in shadow um and and that works really well in this film even though it's daytime half the house is enclosed in kind of this shadow enveloped in in shadow and when i watch horror films you know alex mentioned uh, we watched uh, the conjuring with with gav a few kind of months back and we 
we cuddled our way through it. <laughs> we did. But, but when it's daytime, there's almost like this sense of relief because you know that all the scares kind of happen at night. You know, nothing happens in the daytime. But here, because the mansion is enveloped in shadow, there's always some of it which is in darkness. And that's a really, really clever thing, I thought. You know, the fact that you never really feel safe watching the film. Uh, the film also boasts a story that's something a little closer to real life. The film's themes continually remind us that ghost stories are usually simultaneously both about a fear of dying and a desire a desire, sorry, to believe in life after death. The sense of foreboding arrives the moment Arthur steps off the train and settles over the movie, movie thickly. The townspeople avoid him, refuse to give him any information about the house, and pretty much everything he does in the film has a purpose. There's none of this kind of typical why you're walking down that dark alley all alone kind of stupid horror movie decision stuff here arthur wants to free the woman in black from her torment and also to stop the deaths of the town's children so he must investigate he's got to push on he's got to investigate all the creepy noises that type of thing so as i say it's a very simple device but it goes kind of some way to explaining as to why he actually sticks around where a normal person will probably flee in terror so the ending of the film uh, just finally, is definitely something that could be described as bittersweet. It's not a conventional happy ending, but it offers more light, lightness and hope than the previous 90 minutes. It's the perfect way to conclude the movie. There's a sense of closure, and that can't be ha- had with 99% of other horror films. Uh, so just two little statistics to end on. It's the most successful British horror film of the last 20 years. And it's also the biggest opening ever for a Hammer horror film. Thank you very much, Joel. Uh, did you know those facts beforehand, or did you get them from the argument that we had the other day? Uh, <laughs> y- you made me research them after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the argument was basically Joel was criticizing the film that I'm going to put on trial, and I called Joel a wimp for picking um, one of the most successful British horror films of all time. <laughs> I'm just glad as a prosecutor, you, you two guys really I'll jump in when you're ready. But you do. Uh, just a question. Just a question I have though, Alex. Um, you were unable to watch the rest of the Conjuring when you and you watch it the rest of it the next day. And no, that was still insidious. Was, oh, you were. That was insidious. Where I was watching it by myself, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Rose gone. I'll be able to watch this now. Finally, man, woo!" <laughs> watched it at night and then turned it off halfway through, and was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and then watched it the next day in the daytime, and still was scared shit oh. did, did the red demon get to you man mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> he did <laughs> alex okay so uh, what have you got to say as the prosecution here okay uh you know a lot of joel's points there I, I sort of get a little bit but you know joel looks at it as a classic ghost story i see it more there's a few tired cliches i think in this film this was after a big hiatus for hammer horror and i think maybe big hammer horror fans would have expected something a little bit more um i think horror fans and this is a horror film will find this film quite predictable uh tired and a bit repetitive you know yeah he's a damaged protagonist but every one of these types of films always has a damaged protagonist that is hurt in some way and needs to you know find some sort of closure throughout the film so and and the way it's done to be honest with his wife and his son that that doesn't seem very original you know there's there's so much of this sort of tired cliches the crayon drawings by the kid the spooky doll china dolls that are everywhere um he arrives in this country town he's a city boy he arrives in a country town and all the country folk are really shitty to him and are sort of putting all the you know closing the doors and pulling them in and making sure you know he's he's the terrifying and we're all scared of him 
and you know the haunted house itself i'm not saying it's badly shot and i think what joel was saying about the shadows is true it's 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 nice but you can't really get behind it you can't get super excited about the film because well it is just a classic ghost story and it doesn't feel like it really tries to do anything totally different with it maybe later on with the scares but the first bit you're not really that engaged because yeah well he's just a damaged protagonist seen that before yeah, I've seen a kid drawing weird drawings in crayon. I've seen country folk not being very nice. Oh, there's the haunted house. Knew that was going to happen. Uh, it's got cobwebs in it. No shit. You know, oh, the floorboards are creaky. Didn't see that coming. You know, it, it just gets a little bit, okay. You, you, you sort of know where the film's going well before the film gets there, which sort of takes a little bit away from it. Um, I'd also disagree with the main thing I disagree with what Joel said there is that there aren't stupid horror movie decisions in this. And I'd say there really are. There are some plot problems in this film and I'm not a big, I don't have a problem with plot holes, but watching this film, you couldn't help but think, no, this doesn't quite work. I have questions in my head here. Basically Radcliffe, um, Arthur is a solicitor. He's a very low level solicitor in the film. And he's gone to sort out papers, so he just wants to sell a house. The tension's ramped up by the fact that he might lose his job if he doesn't do it well, but, you know, he, he just needs to sell a house at the end of it. He's just a sort of functionary of some sorts. So, really, I don't quite understand why he's hanging about this house. You know, he sort of walks into a room, there's a lot of Radcliffe, and I'll talk about Radcliffe later, but there's a lot of Radcliffe just walking into rooms after hearing a noise and sort of walking up to the noise going, oh, what's that noise? And then like as the film goes on he's he like spins a lamp and he's you know the lamp's spinning round and he looks through it and then he sees an eye through it and he sort of stands up and goes that was weird i just saw an eye through that lamp but he goes well obviously you know and fair enough obviously maybe my mind's playing tricks and then a little bit later he walks into a room and there's a chair just rocking by itself and at a certain point you're like no dude the chair's rocking by itself there's no way it's not that this is fucking weird you know like you sort of have to build it up a little bit but it just keeps happening and happening and happening and you just think well he's a solicitor's assistant why the hell is he hanging around this house why doesn't he just get out of there why doesn't everyone leave the village you just these thoughts just pop into your head i know you wouldn't have a horror film if he did leave the house you know i know that he needs to stay in it but if it just had a little bit more if it just said oh no he's got he's got to if it just put that he's got to stay there a little bit more in the film then i'd have been a bit more invested in it his motivation isn't very very clear in it and you just can't help thinking it and later on when he wants to save and help the woman in black again you're not sure really why and he seems to become this expert on ghosts so he can say right we need to bury the son with the mum and it's just like why would that work how do you know that works you're a solicitor like what where where has this come from what is going on here and just the last thing i'll just say just about the plot is this film and it is a minor point but it did annoy me this film has the laziest plot device i've seen in a horror film in a really long time which is the dog the dog is super annoying in this film the dog comes along in the car kieran heinz is like take the dog and he's like yeah fair enough the dog keeps him company and then the dog just barks to signal different shit that's happening around the house <laughs> so it's like oh come up here and the dog's like woof, woof, woof. so then you know arthur walks slowly up goes somewhere and then a little bit later the dog's somewhere else going woof, 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 or wakes him up just in time for the woman in black not to get him and then is never mentioned again in the film you don't know what happens to that dog i know it's only a minor point but it did it is just annoying that they just left that it's just a plot device. They didn't go anywhere with it. And I think a little bit it sort of sums up the film. It doesn't quite... It's not a bad film, this one, 
but it's not a hit film in the sense of it just doesn't do anything quite original. It doesn't quite bring in everything together, I didn't think. You wouldn't put it on the same list as... Tomorrow, Tomorrow Never, never dies. dies. I mean, <laughs> I think that would just be an absolute travesty. Joel, it's, it's a precious hit list we've got going here, guys. Let's keep it. <laughs> let's keep it it's clean. Like, would you put it somewhere in between Con Air and 2001 Space Odyssey? <laughs> somewhere on that list. <laughs> okay, Joel. Any? There's any... nothing wrong with Con Air. <laughs> uh, 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 you'd like to report on any of that? Uh, just two tiny points. I mean, he doesn't leave because, as I said, um, he does have reasons to, to stay. And, and the film, uh, sorry, the uh, the law firm do make it clear that if he f- fucks it up, basically he'll lose his job. And this is old England. You know, jobs aren't plentiful. He can't just go and get another job. And he has got a child to look after. And again, same excuse for, for why the people stay there. It's uh, an old setting they can't just kind of get up and leave you know it's it's not like it is nowadays you can't just go and rent a flat you know in manchester because shit's happening in in, in southport or liverpool <laughs> um so the, the two minor points but um you know alex has skipped over them because he's uh, a bit slow it, it's <laughs> I, I would just like for the family who lock their child in the basement if someone just came along and said you could move <laughs> it, you know it's not impossible even in the old days but that is a nitpicky point i, I do yeah i admit that okay thanks thanks alex <laughs> um okay austin dave yeah. so which side are you here with um i mean so just just to, to recap uh joel has said that it's it's a very very atmospheric horror film to be honest it builds scares quite well there's a lot of misdirection expert use of shadows the score is absolutely brilliant the haunted house is very picturesque uh, and that there are no sort of horror cliches in it. Brucey said that it's quite the contrary, to be honest. He said that there's, it's full of tired cliches. There's a long hiatus for Hammer and it didn't live up to the high standards set by previous films. And there are too many plot problems and st- stupid horror decisions, basically. So firstly, are there those those stupid horror film mistakes? You know, like, oh, don't go into the room on your own. Don't do this. And if they are there, are they annoying? Or is it just one of those things that you used to in horror films? Austin. Well, so essentially the entire film is based around him going to a haunted house on his own. I so guess, that, I guess that. So, is, <laughs> so in that sense, yeah, you know, that's a massive horror trope, isn't it? Like, don't go into this thing and he, and he follows the sounds and he does all that. But um, that, that's the that's the essence of the film. That's what makes it scary. It's a, um, And um, so I'm, I think I'm more on Joel's side on this is that he's got a reason to be there. He's worried about losing his job. If he doesn't have any money, he can't look after his kid. He loves his boy. And that's sort of made pretty clear early on. So, um, no, I'm on Joel's side for this one for the most part, yeah. And uh, Dave, do you think it lived up to the standards of Hammer? Yeah, I was surprised when Alex said that um, a Hammer horror fan wouldn't enjoy it. I am a Hammer horror fan, and I really did enjoy it. it most, was, most wouldn't. Most. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, you just admitted that Con Air was a good film. That so. is also true, so bear that in mind. Um, but no, I, I think I'm mostly siding with Joel on this. I agree with Alex that there are cliches, but I think in a film like this, it's more a, a sense of nostalgia. It's more like a hark back to a simpler era of making horror films you know before before slasher movies became a thing it's just it's more nostalgic than i would say cliche 
I, I don't mind the dog being in it, to be honest with you. The dog's in the novel, the dog's in the stage play, so I'm perfectly okay with the dog. Um, and I think Joel's absolutely right about the atmosphere, the score, all of it. It looks good, it sounds good. Um, yeah, I, I'd say I'm, for the most part, with Joel. Okay, thank you very much, guys. Uh, so we're going to move on to your second point. And I'm still on the fence here, guys. I could be swayed either way. So yank me off it. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to go first? On yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to go first and look me in the eye. <laughs> okay. Uh, my second point is just got Daniel Radcliffe and I've underlined it quite a few times here. Uh, he's, he's, he's really appalling as an actor. And I, I, it, <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Every single film he's ever done yeah, is no, shit. Yeah, no, ev- hey, no, no, don't no, no, skim no, no. around the facts, Alex. Tell us no, what no, you really it's think. It's not that every film he's been in is shit. It's that every film, his performance in every film he's ever been in is shit. Like, he's not a good actor. It's and a bit of a modern day Sean Connery, would you say? <laughs> I'm going to just wait for a moment, say, collect my thoughts, and then I'm going to carry on about Daniel Radcliffe and pretend none of that was said. If okay. that's all right. All right. Um, yeah, so Daniel Radcliffe is fucking appalling. And I think the fact he's in this film is they're trying to get the Harry Potter dollar, you know? He's not a particularly great actor. Um, he wasn't in the Harry Potter films, and, you know, he didn't sort of springboard and become an amazing actor. And that's where this film comes down a little bit, I think. Um, There's a lot of suspense scares in this film. And I would actually say that there are some good scares in this film, you know? It's not completely not scary, but it's really let down, I would say, by Daniel Radcliffe. A lot of suspense scares, you know, something happens, so he... You know, and there's an awful... There is such an awful lot in this film. There's a really slow segment in the film where it's just, oh, there's a creaky floorboard, someone moving upstairs. Radcliffe slowly goes up the stairs to investigate, opens the door, something weird happens. Then he goes back to his papers and something else happens and he walks over slowly. There's just an awful lot of shots of Radcliffe entering a room and looking a little bit cautious as he goes in. But suspense care scares rely on his reaction so for example i had that you know the bit with the lamp when he looks through the lamp that's running around and he sees an eye looking at him he sort of stands up but he doesn't give much away and then the next second he sort of like goes "Mm, that's odd and then carries on and it's just it doesn't build his performance does not build in this film whatsoever so take for example as i was watching it i was thinking is it shelly duvall in uh, the shining yeah so shelly duvall's she's amazing and it made me think god i did not i do not give her enough credit in that film her, the way she starts off, she's, you know, the scares, she builds with the scares, basically. So the first one that happens, she's a bit like, oh, that's, you know, that's strange. Anyway, by the end, she's an absolute gibbering wreck running away from Jack Nicholson. You know, it builds and builds and builds. Daniel Radcliffe does not build with it at all. It's almost like by the 10th time he's seeing someone, like, swinging from the rafters, hung, he's still giving the same reaction as the time when, like, the tap went off next to him and a bit of water came out and he went, oh, you know. It, it doesn't particularly get better and better and better and it's a bit bad as well because kieran hines is so good in this film so it's actually kind of oddly enough i'm gonna say kieran hines is fantastic in this film as kieran hines is in most films um just dave nodding very vigorously as i say that uh, but actually because radcliffe's not up to hines standard that sort of like pulls the film down a little bit. There's this bit where Heinz drops him off at the house and he just conveys so much with so little. He sort of, he said to him, oh no, it's it's just a superstitious thing. Don't worry about it. You know, that's fine. And Radcliffe, you know, agrees with him. They're going back to the house, drops him off. And Radcliffe says, oh no, I'm going to stay at the, I'm going to stay overnight. 
And Heinz just does this good, he just does this amazing look that's like, oh, well, I don't believe in the ghosts, but actually that's going quite far, you know. It just conveys a lot. But Radcliffe just looks at him with this kind of like blank, dead-eyed stare, basically, and just, again, just doesn't convey much. He just, at some point, and I think it's more the performance than it is the plot, he just needs to actually convey why the fuck he is investigating every single noise. Like, why is he doing all of that? Why is he not at some point going, there's clearly some shit going on here? Or just, this is clearly a bit mad, I'll just do the paperwork. Do you know what I mean? I'll just do the paperwork and go. But his performance doesn't show anything. Um, I don't know why anyone speaks to him. I don't know how he makes friends with anyone because he doesn't have much charisma in the film. And he's meant to be a big part of the film is that he's a dad and there's just no way he's a dad. I just don't believe it at all. An older brother maybe, but you do not believe he is a father. And that's quite a central point in the film. So I'm really sorry if he's listening to this. I doubt he is, (laughs) but I just think Daniel Radcliffe scuppers this film. It's not that all the performances are bad. His is central and it just means the scares aren't as good as they should have been. Mm. So definitely the, um, Brad Pitt interview with the vampire. Exactly. Taken it. Wouldn't you agree, Dave? Uh, I'm, I'm staying out of this okay, until, okay. Until, until I've heard Joel's arguments. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, but have you ever heard him rap? No. no yeah, yeah. Check it out, mate. It's quite good. Anyway, uh, Joel. <laughs> <That's> uh, <crazy. laughs> Is it? <laughs> Honestly, surprisingly, yes. <laughs> uh, Joel, your, your go, pal. Uh, so I'm going to start off with Daniel Radcliffe as well. And more than likely, he could have had a pick of pretty much any film he wanted after, you know, coming after the back of the Harry Potter films. And to be fair, equally, the project he did choose was pretty much almost assured commercial success just from using his name. Um, and he he does look young in this film. And just to kind of uh, pick up on Alex's point there that you don't believe he's a dad... But just to kind of go back to the setting of this film and, and when this actually takes place, people married a lot younger back then. They had kids younger. Um, and, you know, it's not totally unbelievable to think that somebody of that age, I think he's going to be 22 or 23, or, or perhaps that was his real age when when he filmed this, um, you know, could have had a child of, of that age. Uh, and he does have this kind of life where we look about him. None of the kind of usefulness that we saw in the Harry Potter films, that's completely gone. Um, he, you can tell that, you know, some bad shit has gone down beforehand. Um, and he just looks at a very, very gloomy and a very, very dark figure. He more than adequately takes on Arthur's very adult persona and he acquits himself well, especially in this 20 minute sequence which I think kind of Alex touched on where there's no dialogue at all just kind of him walking about the house with a um with a with a candlestick uh but as I mentioned in my first point it really builds up the tension here to the point where when the scare actually comes it's actually a relief just having like tiny little things like creaky floorboards or um you know writing on the writing on the floor or discovering little uh rooms and things like that just kind of builds up the tension and he makes for a compelling sympathetic uh, presence in a film and the film really kind of needs him to project sadness uh, maturity desperation and kind of longing and i i think he he does that pretty well uh, kieran hines is excellent and he commands like such strong presence in all of his scenes that you know it, it's really hard not to notice him uh, janet mcteer as well as mrs daly um the wife she's also very likable and she kind of almost helps you uh take your mind off the horror that's that's happening in in the rest of the film but the the true star and rightly so is the 
hooded rotten facade of Jeanette, which is uh, the woman in black. She's portrayed by the barely kind of glimpsed, really, Liz White. You only see her for, for seconds. Um, but she's representing such kind of soulful regret and vengeful disdain for the living um, that kind of she and Arthur are really two sides of the same coin. His initial reaction to her presence is just complete unbridled horror. But he's soon working to, to free her of her torment. And I think uh, that's pretty much one of the, the key things that you need to take away from it. The reason why he is uh, kind of staying there is, yes, you know, his job's at stake, but he also wants to help out. He wants to kind of free her. And I think part of that uh, works really well with what I mentioned in my first point in that uh, the plot here is different because he's a widower. He doesn't have his wife anymore. Um, and I think perhaps he just wants to help people out because he's in a bit of a rough situation himself. So she's the title character, and while hardly seen, the film does a really good job of attaching dread to the mere mention of her name. Um, and you know, by that by that kind of regard, she deserves she deserves the biggest mention. I think. Hey, thank you very much, Joel. Alex, anything you would like to swing back on? Um, no, just Daniel Radcliffe's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Okay, so uh, character witnesses, just to recap. Um, Brucey says that Radis is awful. He doesn't springboard well off Harry Potter. Um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of suspense scares, but he's just not very good at reacting. Quite quite dull and robotic and plain. Um, I don't know if he was describing Daniel Radcliffe or Joel there. I got confused. Um, <laughs> but he compared him to Shelley Duvall in The Shining, um, you know, in the way that the scares build throughout the film. Joel, on the other hand, said that Daniel Radcliffe was actually really good in this and he could have chosen any film that he wanted to do, but he chose this one and it made it massive success because his name was attached to it and that he conveys a world-weary sense to him and it doesn't matter about his performance, which Joel actually said was good because you've got such a compelling supporting cast um so um full disclosure here when i saw the film i've only seen it once when it first came out i kind of felt the same as alex did with regards to i didn't believe that daniel radcliffe could be old enough to be a father and to have seen the things that he's done or as joel said um gone through some shit uh, so I, I I couldn't find that aspect believable. So what I really want to ask you guys is about Daniel Radcliffe. I need to be um, I need to have more information on that. So Austin, Harry Potter or Harry Twatter? Which which one? Uh, it's not even a word. Sort of fifty fifty actually. Maybe sixty forty towards the Twatter. Um, is that I didn't believe that he was a father, but then I was thinking maybe I'm just projecting because he's not that, he's about our age, isn't he? He's mm-hmm. younger than us. Mm-hmm. And But then like when you look around, there's a lot of people our age who are parents, so maybe I just couldn't relate to that. Um, so there, were, there was quite a bit of time where I was like, oh, he just seems too young. But then, like Joel said, it is set in an age where people with parents younger, but he looks he just looks a lot younger than a lot of other people who've got similar age kids in the film. So it, that seemed a little bit odd, but then his position in the in his job, it makes sense that you know he's pretty low life. You know, um, he's just, low life. <laughs> <laughs> not low life. He's scumbag. They're scumbag solicitors. He's he's the lowest of the low in that solicitor firm. So you know, it sort of makes sense that he's a young guy um, trying to make his way. Okay. Um, but yeah, and those bits where you're talking about the build up, you know, the the jump scares and stuff. There were a few of them where I thought. Oh, you're, yeah, 
I thought it was going to be a scary moment. And then your reaction is more, oh, oh. That, was, that was odd. <laughs> and so, but, you know, it builds up. Like Joel said, it does build up. But maybe I feel like, I felt like the build up between the the film and the build up between uh, Harry Potter were um, mismatched a little bit. You know, so it was building up. It was, the tension was building, but um, but Daniel Radcliffe wasn't quite going okay. with it at the same speed. So right, okay, and and Dave, okay. So talking about his general acting in it, mm. did you think that he was any good in it? Did you think that he reacted well to the things that were happening around him, or did he detract from the film at all? Are you sure I can't just talk about Kieran Hines for five minutes? <laughs> no, I think we all know that Kieran Hines is great in yeah. everything. Okay, as long as as long as we we're all in agreement on that one. Um, Radcliffe, I'm edging slightly more towards Alex, but I do think Joel makes a good point. In terms of his age, yeah, it did take a bit of getting used to, but I just think it's because we're, we're of the generation we are where people just have kids a bit later at the moment. So I think it was, um, yeah, it took a bit of getting used to, but I understand Joel's explanation and it is valid. In terms of Radcliffe's performance, for him, this was a very good move. Uh, it really showed a bit of versatility as an actor. For the producers, it was an equally good move because his name had some star potential at the time and it got people in to watch it. In terms of the film, how future generations are going to look back on it, it could have been better with a more established, not, not a more established actor, a more competent actor. Radcliffe isn't bad, but he's not great. If you put this in the hands of a very good actor, a very competent actor, this could have been spectacular because I understand what Alex is saying insofar as... Sometimes the terror you feel is what is displayed to you in the reaction of the person feeling that terror on screen. And I see where Alex is coming from. But I suppose, you know, in terms of how you would really react, you know, if I was in that situation, seeing corpses drop down from the rafters in front of me, I'd probably just spend the rest of the film crying in a corner, which wouldn't be that entertaining. You you, need to have a be able to get yourself together and carry on. You you also just wouldn't get back to the paperwork. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't, no, no. Oh, well. That is odd. Do the paperwork, do the sums, make it all go away. (laughs) (laughs) Day to day job. Okay, thank you very much for that, Dave. Um, okay, so guys, oh, I think it's time for some closing statements, to be honest. So who would like to go first? Alex, okay, sum up your points in a minute. Joel says classic, I say cliched. It's, it's, an, it's, an, it's an okay film. I'm not going to say it's bad. I was a bit scared watching it, but it's not a hit film just because it's not original enough. It doesn't have that extra little bit to make it a hit film for me. It's just not got it. It's an okay film, but oh, do we really want to put okay films on the hit list? Uh, it's got quite a few problems, to be honest, with its plot. It's just, as think about its twist at the end isn't even a twist. It's just a continuation of the film. It doesn't really make sense. It's got too many problems that make you ask too many questions. What's going to happen to this film is basically what happened to the woman in black. You're just going to find it one day locked in your attic. I was, I was, go, I was going for a flourish. It's my first one. I'd, I'd like some feedback. Uh, good start. Good start, yeah. Yeah. What was the fortune you're, of the You're flourish? a school teacher, right, Alex? Uh, please see me. <laughs> oh shit, I was really on No, it was good, but it was It was more Daniel Radcliffe than it was Shelley Duvall. <laughs> okay, Joel, you got a minute and it starts for now. This film is completely 
what you would encapture in a classic ghost story. If you're fed up of kind of the modern uh, cliche, jump scare after jump scare after jump scare with little to kind of go with the plot, then this is just a completely stripped back ghost story. You can watch it even if you're not a fan of horror. I am somebody who gets easily scared in this film. It kind of had me on the edge of my seat for the entire time. And if you like Harry Potter, then this is for you because it's Harry Potter, but he's scared and he hasn't got his wand. <laughs> if you hate Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> now that's how you flourish. <laughs> if you like Harry Potter, it's for you. Have you ever watched Harry Potter and thought, man, I'd love to see what that guy looks like scared. <laughs> right, okay, so I need a little bit of time to decide. Uh, so I think I'm going to pass it over to Captain Dave, who's got a lovely little quiz here for uh, I us. <laughs> I, I, I thought about a few yeah. different things I could have done for the quiz on this one. I did think about doing a hammer base one, but, you know, hopefully I will get a chance to do that again at some point. Um, I've just realized I haven't thought of a name of it, so the name of this quiz is, insert your own joke here. <laughs> <laughs> the quiz is essentially about Jane Goldman who hasn't actually been mentioned. She is the screenwriter for this and someone who I think has made quite a few big films lately. So yeah, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Everyone's looking around looking kind of confused. You you will know Jane Goldman. She's a very good screenwriter, uh, made it quite big in British cinema and is doing very well in Hollywood right now as well. So first question for y'all. Jane Goldman wrote Stardust with Matthew Vaughn. Which actor portrays Humphrey, the love rival to protagonist Tristan? Mm. Army Hammer. It's a good guess. Oh, I, I think the only person there in Stardust is Robert De Niro. It's not Robert De Niro. I'll tell you that <laughs> isn't, much. Isn't uh, Ricky Gervais in it as well? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Austin, can I have a stab at the dark in this one? I don't one? even know what Stardust is. One of the uh, members of Take That. It's oh, not. It's is not. It Superman? It is <laughs> Superman. It is Superman. It's yeah. Henry Cavill. Oh, fuck. Enemy of the podcast, Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, question number two. Jane Goldman also wrote Kick-Ass, again with Matthew Vaughn. Like what was the name of Christopher Mintz Plass's supervillain alter ego in the first one, mind? Oh, oh shit. Yeah. shit. I knew I'd get that response. Um, oh. The, the, oh, isn't it weird? It's like the, the dick slapper. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish it was. <laughs> Is it not the dick slapper? It's not the dick slapper. No, uh, yeah, I think we're out of this one. Everyone out of this one as well? It is Red Mist. Oh, I, yeah. I, I was so, way yeah, off. You're really close. I was really close. That, <laughs> that's what happens after a dick slap. I, I, I really... I really <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Now I, this, really, I really wish I hadn't made that guess. <laughs> I'm so happy you did that. Okay. Jane Goldman also wrote 2010's The Debt, again with Matthew Vaughan. Which woman in black actor appears as David Peretz? Kieran Hines. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Alex? Oh, um, Daniel Radcliffe? Joel? Mm, uh, Kieran Hines. What about the guy with the little eyes? The guy with the, it's not the guy with the little eyes. <laughs> Do you want to have a guess? That was my, that was my guess. You should have just gone with Kieran Hines. Oh, it right. is Kieran <laughs> Hines, guys. It is Kieran Hines. I am actually thinking docking you guys' points for not saying Kieran Hines. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. Jane Goldman wrote X-Men First Class with Matthew Vaughn and a few others. <laughs> How long did Jennifer Lawrence have to spend in the makeup chair to transform into Mystique? Uh, three hours. I will take... Five I'll hours. I will give points to whoever is closest. We've got so, three, five... Eight. Eight. Seven and a half. Joel gets it. He's right on the money. It's eight hours. Yes. Wow. Money. Every day as well. 
Question number five. Jane Goldman wrote The Woman in Black without Matthew Vaughn. <laughs> the character... Oh, no, 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 I had to scratch that because Joel said the name of the character is Jeanette. <laughs> Who wrote the novel The Woman in Black in 1983? Uh, William Shakespeare, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> junior. Junior, 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 junior. Um, you guys should have researched this. The Woman in Black wrote it. So. Dean yeah. Coots. Uh, no, no. Anyone? Anyone? No. It was Susan Hill. I'm disappointed. Ah, Su- ah <laughs> disappointed. The house. From the house, yeah. Susan House on the Haunted. <laughs> Susan House on the Haunted Hill. I'm right. <laughs> Question number six, because I feel like Matthew Vaughan didn't get enough credit in that last one because he didn't write it. Who's Matthew Vaughan married to? Jonathan Ross. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a clue. International supermodel who is married to Matthew Vaughan. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, this is a really tough quiz, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Just name an Caprice. international supermodel. Is Matthew Vaughan the Good guy guess. from um, Wedding Crashes? No, Vince no, Vaughan. That's Vince Vaughan. <laughs> that's Vince Vaughan. Um, Isn't it Ang Lee? <laughs> <laughs> Thought it was Spike Lee. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have no idea. No, it's Claudia Schiffer. Oh. Oh. Jane Goldman wrote X-Men Days of Future Past with Matthew Vaughan. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Camacho portrays which US president? What? Oh, Nixon. <laughs> Anyone else? It's always Nixon. 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 I'll go with Nixon. It's, it's points for everybody. <laughs> no, it's always Nixon yeah, in flashbacks. It's always Nixon. Has anybody got a... I'm just going back to my old thing of just say what Gav says. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Goldman wrote Kingsman The Secret Service with Matthew Vaughan. Oh my, could you just what? say that they're writing partners? <laughs> You're making her, like, her contributions to cinema sound shit here. <laughs> <laughs> just throw credit where credit is due, you know. Which song plays during the impressively brutal Church Massacre scene? Alex. <laughs> uh, sympathy for the devil. No, Gav. Oh, I don't. Oh, no. I might be thinking about the second one, like an Elton John song, like Tiny Dancer or something. No. Oh no, is it? Oh no, I'm thinking of uh, Shaun of the Dead. Don't I did like that bit. Anyone? No. Aussie. Uh, it is Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. Oh, oh shit! If you were going to massacre someone, that's probably a good song. To yeah, do yeah, <laughs> that's no, really. Yeah, so. I remember it now. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, she also wrote Limehouse Golem. Wait, who did? Jane Goldman. <laughs> Sorry, just come me. now. <laughs> Without Matthew Vaughan, she called yeah. it after herself. Limehouse Golem. Oh, Golem! <laughs> 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 Do you think Limehouse Golem? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't like a wrestling suit, and it wasn't. Yeah, the, the, the Limehouse, limehouse yeah, Golem. The, the clothesline. Someone should turn that into a wrestling move for sure. <laughs> Which real-life philosopher is a murder suspect in both the novel and the film? Bearing in mind it's set in Victorian England, who was living there at that point? Sophocles. No. <laughs> Freud. No, good guess. John Locke. No. Joel? Winston Churchill. <laughs> Philosopher? Yeah, okay, I'll give you... It, it's Karl Marx. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Okay, in Kingsman the Golden Circle, which acting legend and all-around beloved character actor portrays the new Arthur, Alex? Um, I can't remember. Uh, no, Taron Egerton. Uh, Elton John's in that one, though, isn't he? It's not Elton John. But he's, but he's in that film, though, isn't <laughs> he? He is in that one, he is in that one. I can't remember, is it uh, Michael Gambon? <clears throat> it is, I was trying to goad oh, Bruce in a response oh, yeah. there by calling him <laughs> beloved and legendary. Oh, uh, yeah, you hate Michael Gambon, don't you? <laughs> doesn't everyone? <laughs> And finally, <laughs> I think Michael Gammon's quite fond of himself from what I gather from interviews. Final question. <laughs> oh my God, oh, that's, that's it. it. That's it. <laughs> so go on, we talked about the live action remake of Aladdin before. Goldman is going to be penning the live action remake of The Little Mermaid. 
Which Broadway composer is going to be writing the original music for the film? Is it Lin-Manuel Miranda? Anyone else got another guess? I'm going to go with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even know who that is. It's it's Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) I think um, I'm going to go for Lin-Manuel Miranda. Good good call, Joel. You know, Lloyd Webber. Yeah, at least you did something different, man, but it was Lynn Manuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well done, Joel. There you go. Thank I, you very much for that quiz, Dave. I think that was a, a window grab. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, right. Well, thank you very much, guys, for a very, very entertaining quiz and compelling arguments all around. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a difficult one, to be honest. I saw the film in 2011, and if I was using Joel's style of judging, I didn't find it scary at all, so it would automatically go on the shit list. You don't find anything scary, so every single horror film would be shit. So yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's going on the shit list then. Um, (laughs) But what I also found as well is that I, I didn't find... Daniel Radcliffe very believable in the character and I didn't think he was very he gave a very good performance either and Alex just kind of reminded me of all of that just now um you know I think Alex had some really good points about how poor his performance was that were kind of backed up by Austin and uh, Dave but this I, is almost like Harry Potterist if that's a word <laughs> <laughs> it is now so um but you both agreed that the sporting cast are very good as well and Joel, all your points about the film in general. I mean, Alex, your, your main defense there was that, you know, there's a it lot of a horror. Bit shit to be <laughs> was that there are a lot of horror tropes, which yeah, you get in horror films. Joel, you mentioned about how atmospheric the film was and the score and the setting and the cinematography. And both Dave and Austin agreed with that. And I think no matter how shit Daniel Radcliffe's performance was, and it was, by the way, I think that, you know, if it comes away still being a good film, and it's still been one that everybody can enjoy, then I think it's got to end up on the hit list. So, well done, Joel. Nice work, nice handshake. Okay, so, uh, genuine reactions, Joel. We know for a fact that you really like the film because you decided to pick it. Alex, did you think the film was as shit as you were making out? Second time round, I kind of do agree with everything I said. I think, I do like it. I do think it's a good film. I'm not sure if it's on the hit list for me, but we've got different ways of looking at that. Uh, but if that's just looking at the second time when you're a bit, know when the scares are coming, you can think about it. And I knew I was doing it for the podcast. The first time I watched it, I was just shitting myself from start to finish. So it is a scary film. I did enjoy it a lot the first time I watched it. So yeah, it's probably, probably, probably good it's on the hit list. Okay. Well, so I'm really actually looking forward to rewatching it again to seeing if I made the right call. Speaking of which... The last film that we put on trial was Interview the Vampire. Oh, yeah. I forgot to do that, oh, didn't yeah, we? I forgot about that. We did. Alex, you were the judge for that one. Yeah. You've since gone back and watched it. Yeah. Do you think you made the right call by placing it on the hit list? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> easy as, easy as. Okay, well, right, talking about that, with that in mind, do you think this, well, the woman in black is either higher or lower than Interview with a Vampire with regards to IMDb scores. So, Interview with a Vampire. Well, first off, higher or lower, what do you reckon? Nah, higher. What was Interview with a Vampire? 7.6. <laughs> Ooh, maybe oh, lower. 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 I'd say, I don't think it's in the sevens. I reckon it's a strong 6, like 6.8 or 6.9. 6.5. I think, okay. I think higher. I think 7.7. I'm going to go with 6.9. Okay, well, uh, everybody is right apart from Austin. <laughs> 6.4 out oh, of really? 10. Yeah. So uh, before we move on, 
usually what happens here is we have a caption contest so i will have taken a snapshot of the film and i will have asked all of our friends and followers <laughs> to provide a caption uh, to this the, the snapshot and the winner gets to win a lovely chocolatey frog-shaped treat however i forgot to uh, upload the caption um, to twitter so uh, sorry for that nobody wins a frog this time round. however we still do have the picture so i asked all of the guys here to provide a caption for the picture and the best one as judged by me will get a nice freddo okay so the caption in question or the picture in question is the woman in black i think it's the first time that you see her and she's not happy she's she's uh, having a good scream so starting with austin I see a little silhouette. Good, 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 good. Okay, moving on to Alex. I think she's just taken a veil off and realised she's co-starring with Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Joel. Uh, when you realise you've got to watch Pet Cemetery for films on trial. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, Dave. Uh, Jose Mourinho demos new Halloween costume from the Manchester United sidelines. <laughs> Did you see uh, Winston put one in there as well? He said, that's the look on Gav's face when he sees that one of the cats is violently shot everywhere. <laughs> Man, that, that's not funny. That's bringing back horrible memories. Uh, I think, to be honest, uh, I can't I can't pick, so you all get to win a nice uh, Fredo. Do we all get yes. a Fredo? You all get a Fredo. Apart from Winston, fuck you. <laughs> okay, right. So um, before we wrap things up, uh, we usually like to give a little bit of a shout out to fellow podcasting friends. Austin, it's your turn this week. Yeah, well, with it being Halloween Horror Month and uh, me being massively scared of films, I decided I'd listen to some uh, horror-themed podcasts instead. So um, this week I listened to a couple of episodes of something called Two Girls, One Ghost. Um, and it's basically two girls talking about ghost stories. So they like put different themes up and loads of, um, each, each week, I think they do like two a week. They're really prolific. They're constantly on there, but, um, but it's pretty good. Loads of good stories. They delve into different, um, different topics. So like, like voodoo stuff and they bring up like popular stories to get loads of, uh, like listener stories, have a little chat. It's quite good. Very informal, but it's uh, it's really well done. Good podcast. Okay. So maybe something to give a try throughout Check october because it it's you know spooky month so and you can person. catch them on twitter at tgog podcast yes. or you can catch them on facebook as well two girls one goes to podcast yeah and, and they have a special facebook group um but to sign in you've got to answer a couple of questions so don't be a dick answer them properly they probably <laughs> get right. some 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 passing traffic as well from those do. searching yeah. for other yeah, things that's so. why they just have... type in ghost quickly <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah, go on google suggestions that's, that's, uh, that's why they have the questionnaire before you get into the group to so make sure yeah. that you've got <laughs> okay uh, so we have picked the next film to go on trial next week it is a continuation of our halloween horror month and it's going to be alex's pick and it's going to be final destination so alex would you like to say a little bit about final destination why you've decided to put it on trial it's a film i haven't watched recently but i remember watching it a very long time ago and it stuck with me so i very rarely can get on a plane without thinking about final destination and i did <laughs> Is that a cat? 
Uh, there's uh, cats on planes. Cats on a cat on a plane. <laughs> it's the closest thing to a plane I could find. Right. <laughs> uh, so yes, it, since it still scares me, and I didn't, you know. But then again, is it a scary film? I don't know. I thought it'd be a good one to put on trial. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. We've randomised the rest of the roles, however, and it turns out that Joel is going to be the prosecutor. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> and Austin and myself are going to be character yeah, witnesses. I only that... want to watch it once. I don't want to have to go back through and watch any scary films. <laughs> more than and that means that Dave is going to be the judge. So uh, please do come back next week and listen to our continuation of Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. It's <laughs> all gone a bit. It's not Halloween. It's bats. It's fucking bats, all right. (laughs) 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 Right, okay, right. Thank you very much, everyone who's listened. Uh, If you want to continue listening to our stuff, (laughs) yes, I'm a bit more excited. (laughs) You can catch us on any podcasting platform or on our website, filmsontrial.co.uk. Add us on Twitter. Why don't you put a suggestion in and we will put it on trial eventually as soon as Halloween Horror Month has finished. Also, check out our friends and collaborators, Austin Ray and Winston Sang, at Aussie Ray and at the underscore quirks. And why not check us out on any social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, Films on Trial. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And we will... Fucking hell, sorry. <laughs> There's bats on short, man. So we will be with you next week with... Final destination. Goodbye.